0: what is going on everybody welcome back to kafaru cast frank here um aaron is off taking care of some sort of business here with kafaru so i'm here with uh trevin trevin's been on before and we're going to talk about his uh his recent what is it how recent was it your ibex hunt it was uh 2016 we just released the film last friday Yep, just released the film. So it looks like it was a crazy hunt I've been seeing. I was just telling him I was, I've been seeing snippets on uh, on Instagram and on Facebook and stuff. And he's here to kind of tell us about, about the journey. It looked like it was one of those, possibly one of those once-in-a-lifetime type type hunts, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's not a, a once-in-a-lifetime tag, but it's one of those ones that you, you know, a lot of people want to go on these extreme hunts. And when you think of Ibex, you don't normally think of the U.S. <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, or New Mexico. And these things are free range, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they brought them in in the 70s. Um, uh, there was a provincial governor in Iran that, that, that donated, I think, 72 or 73 mm-hmm. uh, to the New Mexico Game and Fish. Okay. And it, I even have the old footage uh, in the film of them being released um, and uh, – it's wild. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. So there's uh, – I mean there's a healthy population uh, right now and they're trying to manage them. They're actually – because they're hard to kill.
0: Yeah. It looked like it was kind of like a some sort of sheep hunt. I've been, I saw the – I think you had a clip up um, of you walking on this cliff face. I'm thinking good lord and this is in the this is in the Florida Mountains Floridas.
1: of New Mexico. So if if you're from there, you know if you you can tell if you're <laughs> yeah. from there if you call them the Florida Mountains. Yeah. And if if you're not or if you're not from there, you call them the Florida Mountains. If you're from there, you call them the Floridas, yeah. which Florida is is Spanish for uh sea of flowers. Okay. And in the springtime uh that that Rocky mountain range is just gorgeous because those spring flowers come up. It's, it's a, uh, it's a five by 15 mile mountain range Mm -hmm. that you think of Southern New Mexico, what do you think of desert? Right. And it's literally desert outside of Deming, New Mexico. And then they just jut straight up. It's, it's, it's impressive. And um, they're really rock, but they're that, that sharp, jagged, Almost volcanic type of rock that you would think, okay, hey, it's going to bind, right? When I step, it's going to bind, but it's it just slides and it and it crumbles and it's
0: it's it's tough. some sort of sandstone or something.
1: No, it's more of a. But uh, what's that? What's that volcanic? Uh, I'm not a geologist. Um, <laughs> it, it's that porous um, volcanic type rock. Yeah. Malpai. I, Shit, I've never i never heard about I any of that. I want to say <laughs> If uh, You're going to see now, you're going to get hate mails from geologists.
0: Yeah, and also people from from New Mexico, for me, calling it Florida. Yeah,
1: well, that's Did all right. If
0: you go down there and call it Florida and they called you a white devil—
1: no, I grew up 40 miles from there.
0: Oh, you're from or, New Mexico. Or uh,
1: 55 miles from there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I grew up in
0: Las Cruces. <laughs> okay. Odele,
1: dude. I thought I was Mexican till I was 11. <laughs> yeah.
0: You were just saying you want to bring me some burritos. I was like, okay, I've right, yeah. never turned down a burrito. Yeah, especially a uh, uh, red chili adorada. Yeah, that sounds good. Andele, pues. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, so I, I first drew the tag. So we had
0: a film uh, in 2015. Is this a- so is this tag purely a lottery tag or does it take preference points?
1: So New Mexico doesn't have a preference point system. Oh, okay. So it is. I like that. It's, it's a I draw wish it was tag. like that here. Well, you say that. But <laughs> in New Mexico, they have a system where um, the non-resident allotted tags are Oh, minimize. Paquito, mm-hmm. very, very little, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, so what you have to do. And I have a buddy, Derek Harris, who's I like to call him Mister Ibex because that dude is a he knows that mountain, and he's I mean he's he's never drawn the tag himself. Believe oh, it or not. Does he live down there? Yeah, he lives in Cruces. Um, but he uh, – so I actually worked through him. He's an outfitter. He's got South Peak Guide Service. And so an outfitter in New Mexico, the way it works is they have – they get an allotment of the non-resident tax. But if you put in just as a non-resident, your your draw odds are even lower. Um, so I drew it first in
0: 2014. Oh, so you've drawn this before? Yeah. Oh, damn. And I
1: did a, I did a full hour adventure special on Sportsman's Channel on it, and I never fired an arrow. I never drew. Well, I, I started to draw my bow back. I had one opportunity with these ibex on a, a cliff. I mean, and you know, it's one of them deals where your rangefinder is not going to help you. Yeah. The cut's too much. Mm-hmm. And um, but as i was looking at it after we kind of blew the opportunity my range line aside it, i think it was like 84 mm-hmm. and i think you shot it for 20 th- yeah. it was trying to tell you, you shoot it for to 23 yeah. literally from the cliff face they were about 14 feet out from the cliff face wow and um and you know 80 yards up so did you, you bring a cut chart for that hunt or did you just not have the my range? First <laughs> yeah. Not my first hunt. Not my first hunt. Um so one thing I'll tell you, and it's probably pretty wise, that's a good thing to figure out if your cameraman's afraid of heights.
0: Oh, yeah. I Before bet.
1: you get out on the edge of a cliff and look straight down. Jade Helmick, a good friend of mine. I'm actually, he owns the uh, Full Draw Film Tour now. Um, Jade was, was my primary cameraman on that hunt. And uh, – on, in 2014, again, this is 2014. This is that the first film was called The Rock and Ibex Adventure. We have it on uh, Vimeo on demand. Uh, the Rock, you can do a search on Vimeo on demand, Vimeo.com, Vimeo on I think is what it is, or anything like something like that. But uh, and it's 44 minutes because it was an hour long special, and um, it, it, intense. Uh, Jade, we had to take him to the hospital. So on the first film, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, it's crazy. Lord. So we, we're trying to film it cinematically the mm-hmm. way we do our stuff, you know, so it's multiple camera angles. And I knew I, on the first one, I think I went in there perhaps a little over arrogant, you know, maybe a little overconfident. I was going back to my home area, right? You know, this is my house, you know, that type of stupid. Yeah. What time of uh, year does this hunt take place? So you can, it, the archery is in October or January. And I like to go in January because the rattlesnakes aren't as bad.
0: Oh, good Lord. Yeah. And <laughs> so
1: so I drew both these hunts were in January. We packed in the first hunt. We backpacked up and stayed like a bivy camp up on top thinking, hey, we're going to be in there. But what we didn't realize is on a hunt like this, spotters are so important because you can be 15 feet from a frigging goat and not see it because it's in the cliffs. So for a spotter to give you a, another angle and flag you in or, or give you signals, you know, whatever it is, um, to get in, to communicate where you need to go. Cause Ibex, uh, like I said, they came in, in the seventies. Um, there's a, a three, 400 of them now. I mean, it's a really good, healthy hunting level,
0: um, are you guys seeing Ibex every day or oh, is it?
1: Constantly. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's hard to see them. The The difference is 80% of them, you can't get to them. They, they go up sheer, clear, you know, they're like mountain goats <laughs> yeah. or, or bighorn sheep sometimes, you know. Have you seen that little post that was going around uh, Instagram, all those goats standing on the dam?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, same thing. They just run on a rock face like, you know, we do on – Flat ground. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that first hunt, Jade woke me up at 2 in the morning and he said, I'm not uh, – something's wrong. He says, I'm not feeling good. And I said, what's going on? He said, I can't uh, – my stomach. I'm. Mean, it's just killing ate me. ate one
0: of them burritos. No. We
1: did eat those burritos <laughs> every day and they are delicious. And we were fueled yeah. by good burritos yeah. on that hunt. But uh, he was throwing up. Not sick at his stomach, but it hurt so bad it made him throw up. You know, he's trying to go to the bathroom. He just was like, what's going on? Well, then he started searching on his phone, and I called a a physician's assistant that I knew in Fort Collins mm-hmm. at three in the morning, trying to figure out: Do we need to call an ambulance? You know, a, a a flight for life, a medevac, and get him out of here. What do we need to do? We were lucky enough to. Um, she answered the phone. And she said, it's two things. It's he's either his appendix burst and we got to get him to the hospital or he has kidney stones. And she said, regardless, kidney stones aren't going to kill him, but you're going to have to take him in because you got to get him off that mountain. Because I've never had kidney stones knock on wood, man. But everybody I've talked to, they say it's right up, right up there with having a baby as far as the pain. <laughs> yeah, well, you're peeing out a rock. Yeah. So um, uh, Bill, one of my other cameramen uh, – w- was there with us cuz we what we would do How remote is it?
0: How far were you from the hospital? A Couple well, of hours? We're,
1: no. We're f- we're 5 miles from Deming, New Mexico. Oh, it's just but right out of, t- out of the town. But the problem is it's 2200 vertical feet mm. up. Yeah, getting them down was the problem. And it's not Oh, let's take this trail. La, 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 you know and it's a gra- No, it's there's there's no trails. It's rock cliffs. So it, in the middle of the night trying to traverse your way down it was so they did they they took him I think I think my dad I called my dad woke him up he came and and had a flat on the way but luckily the timing was perfect by the time they got down to the trailhead well what where where he could park I should say the parking lot that that we left from um I think it was six in the morning and then I mean they like they were walking out and he was pulling in and then they went to hospital and of course he got some Good
0: drugs and <laughs> yeah, what was it then? So, it was the kidney, it was stones? kidney stones. Oh, shit. yeah, was it because of like a lack of drinking water? Or do you like a? So, I think what I've heard a lot of people get kidney stones if they take a lot of supplements or protein and stuff like that, and then they don't drink a lot of water. But I guess it could be other things too.
1: I think, I think, I think you're right though, because we had to carry our own water, there's no water up there,
0: so we, we so that's were that's half the battle just we, packing in we the water. We were packing way, in, you know,
1: those uh, they're not gallon jugs, what are they? They're kind of square. So what we did, our first hike in there, we brought uh, – we had a, a pretty good crew. Uh, well, you know Sean Greathouse mm-hmm. with Hamsky Archery. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sean's a good friend of mine. Sean went down there just to help as a spotter. He packed up water. So the first time, Lane, it was Lane Walter, Jordan Brown, Dustin Etheridge, Sean Greathouse. Bill was with us and then Derek. But like the first time we went up there to figure out where we were going to base camp up there – the majority of our weight was those dang waters. But every even the guys that weren't staying up there packed a thing of water up there so that we could have water for multiple days. And then what we do is every two two days, the the cameramen, the two cameramen that were with me, two more would come up with fresh batteries and whatever else we might need. And um and then the other guys would leave. And we kinda of switch it out, keep them fresh. And Jade, it was actually the next day, that next evening he was gonna be done too, so it was right in that switch. So I stayed on the mountain, and then they the, some other guys hiked
0: up. Uh, How many days did you guys stay up there on that first trip? Uh, we were. Uh, the, it's a fifteen day hunt. Okay, so you you tried to backpack in there for the whole the whole thing.
1: We came off twice to shower and and get a decent meal and kind of you know just your mental. Mental faculties to yeah, keep them. I, think I no. saw
0: I saw a clip of you on, on Instagram or something like that, and you're like, I can't remember quite what you said, but it was pretty much like, um you ever been kicked in the nuts and rolled down a hill? That's Ibex hunting. Yeah. Something to that effect.
1: Well, um, I think that was the, the – I was using it if you want to train to hunt for Ibex. You, uh, you sprint directly into a brick wall with no helmet <laughs> yeah. as hard as you can and then jump up and shoot an 80-yard shot. That's Ibex hunting because it was uh, so frustrating. Ibex um, are un- really unique in the fact that um, – you know how a mule deer, you'll bed them down and then you you still wait, right? Because usually they'll get up and move around after a little bit and then they'll get their day bed. And they're there – you know they're going to be there for four or five hours. Ibex? There's no freaking Un- way. Yeah, they'll bed for five hours or five minutes, <laughs> and that, and they have these centuries, these nannies. It's kind of like quail. You know how a quail will get that, that one quail will be the century, and then you know all of a sudden you hear it, and then the whole the whole you know covey is gone. Same thing, and they have this noise they make that sounds like a mallard duck. Oh really? Yeah, and I, I I wish I could try and make it, but it literally sounds like a quack. That's their alarm bark. And I had a Montana decoy made of a of a Monta- uh, of an ibex. Oh really? Because I was like, okay, I need every advantage. So if even if I could get them to settle down, let's because there's so, sometimes you you have to to get to them, you're gonna expose yourself even a thousand yards away. And these uh, – we were watching a herd of ibex one day and I was just trying to get a figure how to figure out how to make my plan to my approach and get within range. You know, there's some cliffs over here. What was my distance? You know, it's kind of – they just jump up and run. Well, a rabbit, a stinking rabbit came around and spooked one of the nannies and they were a mile away. And, of course, they go through that country like it's nothing Yeah. amazing. So – Typically, how big are the herds? In October, they're a lot bigger. Um, by January, they've broken up a little bit more. Um, so, Is you, that an October time frame? Is that like the rut? Or? Yeah, it's much closer to the rut. Um, and so you'll find bigger – you'll see a 100. So do they do rifle too? Is this just – okay. Yeah, so they do probably, rifle. They do muzzleloader. They do youth hunts. They hunt these things a lot.
0: Yeah, so they're still So smart. come
1: January, they're scared of their own shadow. Um, I've heard people say that, that October hunt is, is really, they're not as skittish because they haven't been hunted for four solid months. Um, but you know, they even do a hunt now that is called a, uh, I don't know what they call it, but it's basically you get a tag and your job is to go and kill a nanny. You have to bring and check that nanny in. Then your name goes into a hat or into a draw for a billy tag. So it's kinda of like almost like a earn a buck type of thing, but doesn't for you don't for sure earn a billy. But they're 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 goats. And their only predators
0: are us, of course, and there's a lot of mountain lions on that mountain. So So and this is kind of a, a pricier tag, right? It's a couple a few thousand dollars. I think we had a guy in here, we had um we had John Pinch and Brian Pence and uh, Austin, Oregon, I think his last name is their rifle guys, long range rifle guys, and they were talking about either one of them or one of their buddies had put in for that tag but they accidentally put in for the nanny tag and it was like $3,000 and I guess it's non-refundable or something like that. Yeah. So,
1: I don't know that it's three, it's like um a high quality or or high demand hunt mm-hmm. uh like the Gila 16A, 16D bull tag which is what 1600, 1800. So it's it's a higher tag, a higher dollar tag. And and the 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 thing is is uh it's the one of the lowest success rates. With archery equipment of any of any hunt in the lower forty-eight, I think it's three less than three percent. Um, don't quote me on that. I, it's it's kind of changed since I first started in two thousand four. In two thousand fourteen, it was just over two percent. I think it's grown a little bit, um, but it's for sure the highest abandonment rate. And I'd never heard that stat associated with a hunt. People but just give up. The average time spent on the mountain is a day and a half. Really? And then people quit.
0: You think that's like a lack of preparation or a lack of scouting or just a combination of all that kind of stuff? Kind of you don't stuff? have to scout. Oh, really?
1: Where are the goats going to go?
0: Yeah. Because it's, right? it's not a huge mountain Yeah, range. it's
1: five by 15 miles. Mm-hmm. And and the, the skill set that you need is – it's probably a lot more mental than it's so mental than anything I, else. and i cannot you know and you again it's good to be in physical condition right cuz you have to climb up and down so but whether you're climbing up and down for mountain goats or or elk or or mule deer you know early elevation is elevation the difference is it's the terrain everything on that mountain pokes you sticks you bites you uh you know and it's rugged rock it, you're not going to find oh okay you get up on a ba- uh, you know on a, a plateau and y- you get some good grass and okay we get to walk at somewhat of a level place for it just doesn't exist it's all shale it's all rocks it's there's so many times i would be two-handed climbing and, of course, then you also have a cameraman carrying a camera <laughs> yeah. and usually another cameraman that's positioning himself once we get to a position where we're going to make a stock. And they'll set up on the goat so they can see the longer – you know. so uh, where we were wanting to take this with the cinematography and stuff like that, we, we knew we were going to – we weren't helping ourselves on the hunting end mm-hmm. because you – you know, three times the noise, three times the scent, three times you know, and they they have a good sense of, sense of smell too. So the the way you can kill these things, to be honest, the the most successful way is having a couple guys with glass down low, signaling you in, or telling you where to go. Like you'll see them feeding, and the, and and. They're like any other animal. They're going to take the saddle, or they're going to take a notch in a rock. They're not going to go. They can, but they don't always go straight over if they're not boogered. So the idea is to set yourself up
0: where they're going to come through. Um, so a little bit of spot and and a little bit of ambush
1: hunting. I yeah yeah, and and you know if you like mule deer hunting. It's there. If you like, uh, it, it, there's mountain goat hunting. That that's that. Okay, let here he is. He's gonna bet him on a cliff, and then you're gonna get in, and you're gonna hope you're you're not gonna do like Aaron, where you shoot him and he falls a thousand feet. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, yeah. but that's the situation. We we had uh, a guy on call who is a. Uh, I don't want to. I don't know if you would call him a professional climber, but I mean, he he's one of those crazy guys with free climbs, does all this stuff, and we had him ready if we put. If if I shot a goat
0: and it was in a position where we couldn't get down to him, mm-hmm. because that happens, yeah, I bet that happens um, a lot. So, and ibex have super long horns, so if they're if they're tumbling off a cliff, that more than likely that thing's gonna come it, down and nanny. There's a good chance, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're
1: talking about an animal that's, you know, forty pounds, nannies and 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 you know young goats to a mature, you know, six seven year old Billy that 140. Oh, so they're probably like uh, antelope size. They're shorter, mm-hmm. but they're kind of stocky. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure there's even bigger ones than that. We so uh, is there is there just ibex there or there um those oddads? Not on this mountain. Okay, so no, uh, the oddads are further east towards Roswell and some of that country Carlsbad in the uh, the Guadalupe's, <laughs> <Yeah>. the Guadalupe's. <laughs> yeah. um, so the Floridas have rattlesnakes, rabbits. Ibex and mountain lions and quail. Um, you're going to find when you get down to the foothills of the of the of the Floridas. You'll we saw quite a bit of deer in javelina. The other way some guys do it is, and why the out. I think the outfitter going with an outfitter is is not a bad plan. Is you know, let's be honest. You get a hunt like this, you draw it, 15 days. If you're going to put your time in, you're going to take the time off of work. You know, whatever it is. But to be able to get a couple other guys that can take that time off of work, it's tough to have oh, yeah. that in uh, at a level of commitment when you're not hunting, even with your good buddies. Um, but you got to have spotters. So going with an outfitter, then you kind of, okay, you're going to get spotters because they're going to have people there for you. But on the flip side, some outfitters you'll find will get a, find a herd of goats, they'll put their hunter up, then they'll go and push the goats to the hunter, which I'm not real sure that's legal, <laughs> yeah. but you see it happen a lot. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, and, and you're not supposed to herd those goats, you know, but but I've seen uh, outfitters uh, and I don't show this, uh, but I filmed an outfitter. We were stalking down on these three billies and they were three good billies. I mean, I would have been Tickled, tickled to, to, to notch my tag on any of these. And we were about 100 yards above them. No problem. And this guy, my dad, who was with me the whole time as one of my spotters, um, and a couple other guys were down there. And this white truck just blows by him down this road, turns up what wasn't really a road, and comes up a fence line as far as he can drive, jumps out, and goes and jumps those billies up. Come to find out he had another hunter positioned somewhere else and we were coming and it, they, they they he'd, he'd positioned him there cuz he thought those billies would work up to that saddle or wherever he had the guy and they weren't and we were getting close
0: and so he came and busted him out <laughs> so
1: right out from underneath us yeah. and I got it all on film
0: sounds like the Wasatch Front in Utah <laughs> um so yeah. is there so it sounds pretty competitive is there is, do they put out a lot of tags there or is it
1: so um I'm not sure the exact number but like if Let's say – I'm pretty close. Let's say 100 bow tacks.
0: OK? For that particular season? For – For those 15 days? Right. So you're seeing a lot of guys OK. Probably. So you see a
1: lot of guys the first, first two yeah. days, <laughs> right? Yeah. So the first two days, a lot of times – even on the second hunt, um, I didn't do it as much on the first hunt because I didn't realize I was learning. Mm-hmm. But when I came back and re- – I drew it again in 2015 and this hunt, this film that we're talking about, uh, happened January of 2016. That first day, I put myself in a position where I could move down a ridgeline where I knew some go- goats liked to travel. And I kind of just sat, hung out because there were so many people. So much pressure. Walking around, they just kept the goats moving. But by the fourth, fifth day, you're pretty much alone on that mountain. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you see a guy walking around, you bu- and, and I've bumped into a bunch of hunters while I'm up there. If you see him walking around the 10th day, the 11th day, one of two things have happened. They are a tough son of a gun <laughs> yeah. and they're probably going to kill a goat mm-hmm. or two, they couldn't get off of work and they had to start to go the hunt later. Um, so you said, in, mentioned earlier about the mental portion. I think for me coming back the second time, I knew how important that was. So the second time I found out that it didn't, didn't do me that much to hike in and, and 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 bivy on top it didn't help me because number one I, I disallowed my spotters now i'm inside the mountain range my spotters are looking on the outside so it doesn't matter that they're seeing goats i'm on the inside seeing other goats so they can't help me at all and then number two i would have to drop elevation and then gain elevation
0: just to get back just to, to, get to, get to the to outside yeah
1: well, no just to get to the goats because it's uh, straight up, but then inside the mountain, it's straight down too. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, now I'm climbing down to climb back up. Then I have to. So I actually was adding on miles and elevation change, which I thought once I got up there, I'd be able to stay up there. That's not how that mountain range works. Yeah, there's some ridges you can run, but if I'm glassing across a big freaking crevasse, and there's goats there. I'm going there, right? Right. Just like if I'm on the outside glassing up and I see these goats, I'm going to make a plan and get up there and, and, try and try and get on them. So I think uh, the second time we came back, I really wanted to concentrate on being able to stay mentally sharp. And um, so we chose – we stayed – my little sister lives in Deming. So we, sh- we sh- all crashed in her garage. But it's January in New Mexico, right? So it's not that cold. Um, And uh, and then we'd go every morning. We'd go to Yo Yo Yas gas station and pick up our red chili burritos. Oh yeah, yeah. We'd pick up like (laughs) twelve. And 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 um, some of my cameramen had to have eaten five or six a day. I'm serious. (laughs) I mean, these guys were putting them down. Um, And then and then we were we didn't make a play. Unless it was a high percentage play, so we were real selective, and I, I, I'm, I'm a horrible trophy hunter. I know you guys talk. Aaron always talks about how horrible trophy hunter is, uh, uh, ho- how horrible a trophy hunter he is. I'm, I'm the same way. Like. My camera guys get mad at me all the time because 30 minutes into the hunt, I'll shoot a 120-inch buck. Oh, yeah, for sure. If it gives me a shot. Um, and they're like, no, we just got here. We got seven days. Wait, don't <laughs> shoot it. You know, um, well, I just never – I didn't care. I'd shoot a nanny. I'd shoot – Is it either sex? Yeah, it's either sex. Um, I just – I wanted to get it on film because I wanted to share the adventure. Because in the first film, I went through the history of the mountain and the history of the ibex and the history of the area. And this – was definitely This second film was definitely more of a journey for for me. Wanting revenge, you know, not yeah, not red- really revenge, redemption. but redemption. There's that's a better word. Um, and so being able to eat, sleep in a pretty comfortable position, stay high, staying clearly hydrated, and um, and refreshed. It wasn't so much the physical as it was the mental.
0: Yeah, it's good to keep your head in a good place. I think that's something. We talk about it fairly often, but I think that's a, something that's overlooked by a lot of people because there's kind of like this this whole um, fitness craze going on in the outdoor industry right now where, you know, you want to be super fit. But I think some, something that's overlooked a lot is the, at the mental toughness and keeping that goal and having – I think a lot of it has to do with having a short-term memory span because if you screw up a stock or if you miss a shot, you just – you got you to gotta forget it. And I it, think
1: it, – It's completely like that, Frank. I think mm-hmm. – I think what I learned—you've seen the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray, <laughs> yeah. right? Because yep. that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Every day you got up, and it was like you did the same thing, and what they call uh, ins- uh, uh, insanity—what's what's that? They say where insanity is—the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results, yeah. right? And that's what I felt like I was doing, but I knew is also a game of percentages. And you need a certain amount of stocks to connect. Sometimes it's the first one. For me, not normally. <laughs> normally, it's third, fourth, fifth. You no. know, I, I kind of got to get into rhythm, or or you got to have just the right situation. And uh, um, and then then sometimes you get in the right situation and you make a mistake. And I opened the film up with that a, a mistake. And it was like the fourth or fifth day in when when this opening scene happens. Is that you, your first stock? Or no. Your- Okay. No. Are you getting like a stock a day or yeah. The second trip, yes. Because of the way we're doing it. Um and again, understanding understanding your your strategy. Um if you've ever shot dove on opening day sitting on a water hole, it's awesome. Yeah. But the problem is there's so many dove. Which one do I shoot at? Like you have a whole like thousand, no, I don't know, a thousand, but hundreds of them coming in, you don't get one because you don't know which one to shoot at. Right. <laughs> yeah. you get, and that's how I felt. Like I got so distracted. Oh, there's a good one. Oh, wait, wait, there's a good one. Oh, oh, you know, it's almost like, okay, wait a minute. I got, that's the best. If that goat beds there, that's by far the best approach. So I'll keep an eye on this or have someone, but
0: I'm going to concentrate on, on this goat. So you're more, you were more hunting the the stock or the the best yeah, opportunity. Yeah, I think that's a
1: great way to say it. Yeah, yeah. It was more of a because uh, I didn't care what I killed. I didn't care if it was a nanny. I, di- I didn't care. Um, I I just wanted to arrow and, and 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 become one of those two percenters or three percenters, whatever you know. I wanted to to have killed a, an ibex with my bow on film. And not just on film, but good, you know, good footage. So with that, I I think every morning to get up, get our break toes, go get behind glass, 10 o'clock or so, we're, we're, you know, we're making a move. And then, of course, you get up there and there was many times you get up there, it didn't work out. But you're in a position where, oh, OK, we got some other goats over here now that have just appeared.
0: Can you – is there a way you can drop down and come, you know, and they're, we're communicating – um, they're pretty. They're probably pr- fairly easy to spot if there's no snow on the ground, right? Because they're kind of a. Aren't they like a whiter, grayish color? They're
1: they're brown, are they? And they're gray. I probably so, need
0: to look at a picture of one. Yeah.
1: So so um so you have different. You're right on both counts, but like the nannies are a tan, and the, and and some of the young billies are a tan. But then you'll even find as they get older, some of them will retain that tan, but. But the cool ones, in my opinion, are those gray that that kind of almost that whitish gray.
0: Yeah, those um, ones are wild looking, man. Yeah. So how big do the horns get? They're they from those pictures I just looked like, at. They're freaking long.
1: Yeah. Um. You you know a good billy is pushing that higher end, a uh, thirty inch to forty inch. That's yeah. Crazy. I mean, and and, and I, uh, the first hunt I wanted to kill a billy that was a broken horn billy, because. It's kind of like an oryx or a horned animal that, if they break, they're broken. They're not gonna shed them and then grow them back, right? And they fight. I there was a I swear he was 45, 48 inches on one side and seventeen on the other. <laughs> but he's massive, yeah. and I didn't care, you know. And on the first hunt, I I was I hunted this one goat for a while and I never could get on him uh, close within bow range with a rifle. I'm not saying it's an easy hunt, but with a rifle, we would have been done in
0: two or three days. Oh yeah. So what happened on that on that first stock then that or the the what you opened the um the film with?
1: I look like a big a hole. <laughs> I do. It's kind of funny. You'll have to watch it. I do because and, and I'm okay with that because it, it was at the position in the hunt where you know four or five days in it was our best opportunity we'd ever had so far, mm-hmm. and we got up and I got above them. And um, they were kind of, just kind of fiddle farting around in these rocks, and it was some nannies and some young billies. And um, I got up, and they were moving below me in a rock slide. And what what's funny about them is you'll see the first goat will stop, look around, and then bail off, you know, a, a ledge or something and go on. But then all the others are a lot of times are very similar in the fact that that next one will stop. Well, there was this, you know. I don't know. 22 inch Billy. I don't know. I don't know how big he was. He was big enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, it was one of those 76 yards.
0: Um, Line of sight? No. Oh, it was a, it was a, a bomb. <laughs>
1: yeah. It was, it was a poke. Let's just call it a poke. You're right. Um, you always get hate mail if you go outside of 30, right? But it is what it is. And I, you practice for a reason. And I knew, I know my,
0: Capabilities, Capabilities
1: yeah. in theory, <laughs> yeah. in theory, right? In 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 some conditions. So the goat, we were and we were on a cliff. So we're kind of standing, and then I kind of got set back on this ledge where I was uh, positioned. So I'm kind of sitting on this rock ledge, and um, Tanner was with me, my my cameraman, and we're just kind of watching them. And they so they start moving, and I've got this spot where the one the the the, the First initial goats had been pausing, and I'm like, if that billy stops there, I'm gonna shoot him. I kind of anticipated. I came to draw, and the billy paused, and I shot, and I hit my lower cam. Charlie horse my freaking quad. <laughs> yeah, you that. know, have you done, done that? that? Dude, I've done that a that lot. That does not yeah. feel good, and no. it, and your arrow flight is altered. I've noticed. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I shoot, you know, and the the crazy thing, if you watch the footage, he, I don't. I don't know if it was louder because of my, you know, debacle on my thigh, or, or if, it, the goat wasn't even there when the arrow hit anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm low, so I'm like, "Dead gummit, man!" You know, I I just I, I Charlie horse my quad. I'm frustrated. <laughs> you know, here's a, a my best opportunity, and I blow it. Well, what happens? The goats don't know what's going on, and like I said, they're skittish, and, and they go over probably 200 yards and they just kind of hang out and then this other billy from the other side comes up starts pushing them right back to us i'm like tanner they're coming back like they're coming right to us <laughs> so then you see and you see the footage you see these two goats working right i mean they're 20 yards away from me crossing right under. i mean it's a frigging gift from the good lord above yeah and i'm at full draw and i'm Settle in, same kind of thing. There's this ledge and they're all kind of whoop, bail off. I'm like, okay, there's that, you know, that decent little young Billy, but perfect, perfect for me. Mm. And I'm, and he pauses and Tanner says, wait for the one in the back. And I'm thinking he sees a bigger goat. Mm. Well, he was talking about that one. And I mean, my, he's a it's, it's a top <laughs> pin, right? Yeah, you, Just, just send it. And I pause, goat bails off, opportunity lost. And I'm frustrated, you know, as you can imagine. You know, again, <laughs> it's only the fourth or fifth day, but I know how rare with good camera footage and all that it's going to be.
0: And so, yeah. Yeah, the, the filming thing definitely throws a whole new uh, variable into the equation because, I mean, we we were just kind of screwing around with filming for the bear hunt and getting quality footage and Going on a stock and having everything come together. I mean, you've been doing it forever, but us just trying it, starting out, I'm like, good Lord, this is this is, it's not easy to do. And then having that communication there and trying to be quiet and having everything fall into place is, is, is pretty difficult to do.
1: It literally, if you don't have synergy between your cameraman and your hunter, mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys that can hit record. There's not a lot of guys that, like, if I'm hunting with you, I kind of have to understand what you're thinking, and I have to know what what you know. And with you and Aaron, you've probably spent enough time together (laughs) that 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 might not be a bad. But you still have to you still have to remember, um, you know, where where do I need to position myself so I'm not. Here's a good example. How I don't I can't tell you how many times I've come to full draw and my elbows hit the freaking camera lens. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Because he's just trying to get a good shot over my shoulder. Yeah, right over the shoulder. But so there's a lot of factors. Um, Batteries. How many times I've – cameras taken a dump. Oh, yeah. Or a malfunction. Um, So there's a lot of things. Here's my deal. I'm addicted to to sharing in my adventures. I enjoy taking people – On these adventures, but they're not cold, they're not wet, they're not tired, you know, but they still get a grasp of that adrenaline. Um, So for some people, they hunt to fill their freezers. That's all. I just want to – I'm just a meat hunter. Some people hunt to hang the biggest set of antlers on the walls. And not, there's nothing wrong with any of these if that's your motivating factor. Some guys hunt. Uh, you know, They get involved in hunting, and, and it's conservation. That's all they want to do is, is they want to hunt with the conservation in mind, and that's awesome too. Uh, and then you know, now you have this the, – the, the big push, BHA and stuff to save our public lands, to preserve our hunting uh, access, stuff like that. And those are all good things. And I say this time and time again. None of those reasons are why I got into hunting. I got into hunting because I like to share adventures. I like to hunt. I like to just send it. I have – there's a lot of perks that come with hunting. I mean I hit – 90 percent of my protein is wild game. My family eats. Um, and and I, you know, I'm I a life member of BHA and conservation groups, stuff like that. I think that's th- – those are phenomenal. And, and, and as I mature, I, I realize I have a responsibility there. But my passion is sharing that adventure. And I share my misses, my my embarrassing moments, unfortunately, because yeah. I am not the best hunter. And I am not the best shot, but I am a persistent little cuss. Yeah. And I and that's and that has gotten me. That's gotten me a long way in hunting. I've I've been pretty successful. Not you know again like if you define success by inches of antler, well, maybe I'm not that successful. Mm-hmm. But I've put you know I've we've produced we're in our tenth season and I've put a lot of a lot of critters down on film and and had some great adventures. But so yeah, I think
0: it's good that you show the failures as well as the successes because um, you know a lot of these hunting TV shows they just show the success the success that the people have and they don't show the failures and that kind of gives you the wrong perception as Say a new hunter, or a, a non-hunter, that you're just going out there and you're just purely killing every time. There's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes and a lot of perseverance and, like you said, persistence that you need to have um, just to just to fill the tag. And well,
1: I, and I think TV hunting t- television is horrible. Mm. It it's we have done such over the past really, let's say, ten years. Okay, Because, you know, back in the day, we didn't have hunting TV other Mm. than Hank Parker and some of that stuff on member TNN, the old TNN. (laughs) And then ESPN picked up a few fishing and hunting shows, Um, Babe Winkleman, stuff like that, which, you know, they've been around a while. And and then – but the whole thing that we've done is we have really screwed up telling new hunters, as you shared, their expectation. They expect to crawl up in a tree – And 180 inch buck walk by, and that doesn't happen very often. Oh yeah. Or Primos, God bless. I got all. Remember all the old truth. I have. (laughs) I still have the VHSs. I don't have a VHS player, but I still have all the from Truth One, Truth Two, and I used to listen to. uh, I mean, watch those. You know, and basically it was whack them and stack them. And I know, I think I've heard on the podcast. You just kind of you like the whack them and stack (laughs) them style versus the cinematic, but. We've done a poor job of of setting realistic expectations. And then on the flip side, in the past 10 years – and I say this. I have a television show so I can say this, and I've seen it from the inside looking out. Te- hunting television hasn't been about the hunt. It's changed. It's been about the people. It's been about look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at how cool I am. Look at look at how many I kill. I'm the best hunter. And it's all become a, uh, a junior high look at me fest. And – what we've done is we've intimidated guys that look and go bow hunting. You know how intimidating it is the first time you pick up a bow? There's a lot that goes into that. So you go into a bow shop and here your your idea of a success, successful bow hunter is all of these only good moments that you saw on television, it's not like that. As you do too when you get out there, you put it out there and there's a large number of people that see something – we get the haters, and if I shoot a, a three-year-old buck, then I suck. And you know what? If I shoot over fifty yards, and you just take it and go whatever. You know, I'm not going to get in. I'm not going to get caught up in that stuff. So, but but for hunters, I and I think there's a change. I think we're doing a better job of explaining what real hunting is, because mm-hmm. for most of us. When I sit around a campfire years after a hunt, and I'm telling you about a hunt. I don't mention the inches of antler of that buck. I tell you about something funny that happened right. or something goofy, maybe something that was scary, you know I almost like I almost fell off the cliff on this hunt. Yeah, I mean literally I, I was going down to check something, and my foot caught in a rock and whoop, I went head first. <laughs> Luckily, I, I caught on a ledge. And grabbed a, but it was a hundred foot cliff. Good Lord! And I almost
0: lost Trevin. Yeah,
1: if you look, if you watch some of the teasers on Instagram, there's one teaser where you see that I'm, you you see the long lens from the guys below, and I'm walking down, and I'm little bitty, right? You know, because it's it's a pretty good cliff, and then the next one is Tanner up above me shooting down, and I Superman, (laughs) and then I grab and I I poke my head up, and I go whoa. Because, I mean, I, what you don't see without that other angle is the straight off. Right. So. Yeah. No, I
0: definitely agree that. Um, I, I was talking to Aaron about this um, recently, and we were talking about those kind of like kill reel type um, TV shows, like the FMP guys, the, the f and 360. Full moon production. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we were talking about that. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I really like that. But um, coming from my perspective, I guess it kind of, I know what it takes to To be out there, and I know what the journey is, but from the outside looking in, people don't know the struggles that you go through, and that's that's where I've kind of changed my perspective. Of like we kind of talked about the last time you're we here, documenting the hunt, taking the photos, taking the time to take the photos, and showing everything besides just the shot and the kill. Because it, it, I mean, one of the major reasons I like backpack hunting and and doing the stuff that we do is is the adventure and the journey. As cheesy as that sounds, or whatever, I I like being going into the backcountry for however many days, being by myself or with a buddy, and uh, and struggling basically, and seeing how how far you can push yourself, and having that goal in mind, and then achieving that goal, and everything that that went you went through just to, to get to that point. And sometimes you, you fall short, yeah. sometimes you're successful, but that's that's kind of um, where I've changed my perspective as far as kind of documenting the hunt and taking the photos and trying to um, improve might just having taking the time to take out the camera like you said right and, yeah and, and taking you the gotta photos. hit
1: the you gotta hit the the you gotta snap the shutter you gotta hit record <laughs> yeah and so many people have great intentions but they mm-hmm. just don't do it. but when your whole when your whole goal is not to kill an animal but to capture an adventure, it changes. Right. Now mind you showing a guy gassing up on his trip out, is not a hunting video. <laughs> yeah. We all have put gas in a vehicle. Yeah. People, quit filming yourself <laughs> pumping gas, right? Okay, but packing your backpack,
0: right?
1: Uh, in a in a backpack country, backcountry hunt, or with whitetail, we've got uh, some properties we've been we've really gotten into whitetail. We really mm-hmm. enjoy the chess match, and honestly, I'm gonna really be transparent here. Part of it is we've been busting our butt in the backcountry. Elk, mule deer, hunt, stuff like yeah, that. It's, nice it's kind of nice, yeah, it nice to have a little bit of a a repeat, uh, rep, uh, a reprieve. I don't know. what that, I think I just made a word reprieve. up. Reprieve. Reprieve. Maybe. A, a is that a word? Arrest. Yeah, there you go. Arrest from that. And, and, and you switch gears. Now, the first time I sat in a tree stand, I freaking went nuts. Matter of fact, the guy I was hunting with, he was checking on me. Um, Because he'd been out doing some errands and he he could see me from about a mile and a half away just through this little place where he goes, dude, you look like you were dancing. He said, there's no (laughs) wonder you didn't see any deer because I couldn't sit still. So part of that is that switch that you have to turn. But the other thing is we also do all the work, hang all our own stands. Mm -hmm. So it is a chess match. So there's something about that. But but again, going back to hunting television – a guy climbs up in a tree kills a buck you yeah. don't see why he changed, chose that stand he that the fact that you've been seeing that buck or maybe not seeing that buck i mean i have bucks that we get on trail cam and you, you name them. And a lot of people say, that's goofy. The only reason I name them is so I can remember them. Right. So I can say, okay, this, this is Charlie or what was that one, uh, that guy, uh, Donnie Vincent, uh, what was the name of that buck that he, <laughs> I don't Fred? Know. I'm, was it I'm Fred? Not sure. Well, anyway, you know, that rivers divide you. So yeah. I, we name them tongue in cheek, but it's also a great way to document them. Uh, so you can know, okay, Oh, that's such and such. And then when you're looking at age structure, uh, the characteristics are there and it's cool when – I found it's really cool when you have a buck you've seen since he was three years old and now he's six mm-hmm. and he's he's bigger. He's more mature. It doesn't matter the size. I killed a buck last year in Kansas. Now we're getting off on rabbit trails. <laughs> but I killed a buck in Kansas that we called uh Bully, uh, Bully Jr. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Crabby Jr. Because his dad – and I say his dad. It, it could have been his – older brother, but it was a buck that was two or three years older. I mean, these things, they could look like twins. And I've got trail cameras of, of Krabby, and then he ended up getting killed. And um, n- and then last year, I killed Krabby Jr. Well, he dressed out at 220 pounds. He didn't score 125 inches. Really? But he was a mature buck, and he was a freaking bully. I mean, I, I had trail cam pictures. He wouldn't let anybody – like, if there was another buck around – and we're talking – in velvet, like where the guy, the guys are supposed to be,
0: yeah, compadres, guy. right? Yeah.
1: Um, so anyway, that's it, it, kind of cool. I, 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 do think though that, that television is coming; it's turned a corner. But, but I'm, I'm still a, a a big fan of the idea of of sharing the adventure in a way that inspires people, because uh, our kind of our hashtag is inspired wild. When I was when I was a boy, the idea of hunting was. To match myself against an animal on his own turf and to kill him. I, I I'm not going to hold words. I'm not going to say harvest. Although I do use that term, I don't think it's necessarily super bad. But, but I do I do feel that that was my driving force. I wanted to test myself, and the bottom the underlying of that was the adventure. So if we can share that, and then somebody say, "Oh man, I, I get it. I see why they do this." Um, and then, of course, but we also show the work that's involved getting them out. You know, um, sometimes you don't have time in a TV show to show them breaking them down and all that stuff. Sometimes, you know, you, you got you're limited. But um, I mean, that's all there. But that that's why I think photos are so good, too, because you can really in a photo journal type aspect like you guys do. And I know you're starting to take a whole lot more pictures when you pull the camera out. Um, uh, you know, I, I was listening to a podcast where. I think Aaron was giving you a hard time about, about how many photos you took. <laughs> to, to Alabama, I took like eight photos, <laughs> and he probably took eight hundred. Oh yeah, yeah, pretty much. But but you'll get you get in that groove, yeah. and you get a feel for what works for you. Part of part of it is when your camera's in your backpack, mm-hmm. that's the worst place. It's like yeah. it's like having your release in your backpack. And then the buck walks by, right? So uh, it's part of that is getting your methodology down and, and what, what works for you, so it's not in a way, so you can still hunt and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So f- with with the Ibex film, I think coming back to the second part, we had a new strategy, and um, you know the bottom line is you spend fifteen days on the mountain in two thousand fourteen and unsuccessful. Well, you're, the, the adventure's there, but you, but you don't kill anything. You, you don't even get a shot then you come back draw the dang tag again now I'm I, now I felt like okay I was humbled because of the first trip but I also said I think I have an idea how to do this and and you know you get some people involved that, that, that can help and 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 that's what you need you, you can't do it to do it the way we did it with film and stuff like that you need some help and you need multiple opportunities because you're gonna screw something up and so you know it's the culmination of all of that to the last day where I killed that goat with 30 minutes of light left the last day. On
0: the 15th day. Wow. That's crazy. How many stocks do you think you had on that entire on that entire trip?
1: Probably triple what we had on the first so I I'd say probably 12 or 14 where it was legit. The problem is you go on a stock and halfway there of course you're out of sight cuz you're moving around or whatever the goats get up and wander off. So so you know i mean we were trying to make high percentage plays but even the ones that are high percentage you know that's why you got to take advantage of every opportunity mm-hmm. so we did go like when we were up there and stuff like that it, rather than come all the way down and then try and go make another stock we'd move to a position to where we could watch some country and uh and being you know where travel route stuff like that so sometimes we'd get two stocks in a day but so, well, we might have made more stocks than 12 i mean it might have been I'd say every day, maybe, maybe we'd get two in one day. A lot of it though was just trying to move into position where the goats were moving because again, it's so hard the goats moved so much. And there's no pattern. When I killed the goat I killed, I was where they wanted to be. I didn't stalk those goats. I started it out stalking, but then they just got up and moved. So then I we worked up and around to the top of this bluff. What did the Ibex do? They'd, and they didn't see us. I mean, it wasn't like we blew them out. They just decided they'd go to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So then we hoof it around and thinking, okay, they're going to come around this way.
0: And they go back up. And they
1: went back <laughs> up. And it uh, literally it's like 530 and I am fagged out. Yeah. I mean, I am just wore out. And it's the last day and I'm just like, okay, if it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. It's been a great time. I mean, I've had a lot of opportunities. I've kind of come to peace with it. Mm-hmm. And they get on the radio and they go, Buck. I'm like, what? Get up there. They're going. They're going right back where you were. And I look <laughs> at Tanner and I said, we were just there. And I said, I, I honestly told the guys, I said, I don't know if I can get up there. And one of the guys, BJ Trejo from from Deming, New Mexico, is a friend of mine. He's he's killed some Ibex off range. And What I mean by off range is off that mountain range. You can go to New Mexico and over the counter, you can buy a ibex tag, but you can't hunt the Floridas. Mm-hmm. You have to hunt. There's a couple, the the, the three sisters, uh, tres hermanas, <laughs> yeah. um, and um, and some other places where the ibex. There's been some a few ibex get off and and they get in in the onto those little mountain ranges, and he's killed I think three. But he also lives there and he can go and find him once you're finding him. It's the hard part. But he gets on the radio. He says, Trev, you've got to. This he said, is man it. Up. Yeah, exactly. He says, dude, pull your panties up and let's do this. Put your big boy's pants on and let's go. So I look at Tanner. she says, let's do it. And Tanner was great. I mean, there's something to be said for having a, a hunting partner. And really, your primary cameraman is your hunting partner. And before in the first trip, I had had Jade and then I'd switched off to a couple other guys. And – um because Jade couldn't stay the whole time on this trip. every step I took, Tanner was right there with me. Well actually that's not true because Tanner takes one step and I take three <laughs> yeah, so really every step I took Tanner took a third of a step yeah but he was literally he was <laughs> with me the whole time. So he was my hunting partner. Mm-hmm. he was my eyes he he was my ears. he he was the guy that hey, come on, we can do this you know and that's what he did. Um, we, we kind of fed off each other and he's got a good sense of humor. So he kept it light. Um, the, you'll see in that first film, I get really frustrated at him because miscommunication. And it's, you know, I'm an intense individual. Mm-hmm. I've had a cameraman quit. And I say- On the hunt? No. He he quit back at the- We weren't even on a hunt yet. <laughs> and, and And I come into the office and one of my other field producers goes, yeah, this, you know, so-and-so quit. I said, what? I said, what are you talking about? He said, yeah, he quit. I said, "Why did he quit?" He said, "He's not happy when he's around you." <laughs> I'm like, "What the heck does that mean?" But anyway, so Tanner Tanner is one of those guys, though. That Tanner is, uh, you know, he can take it, and he understands. He understands my passion. He understands my intensity, and um, and he, he, I don't know if it happens with you, but the longer the hunt go- goes, the more my intensity increases. Right right on 10 day hunt man i'm a lot more intense i'm pretty jubile and cracking jokes on the first day going in right 10th day i'm freaking there's not a lot of joke cracking going on it's pretty much business get let's get let's let's make this happen
0: there's a bit of i mean you have a tv show going on here so there's a there's some pressure also and um i've talked about this to a few people that aren't in the outdoor industry but there's there is definitely a pressure for you to kill something on all these hunts that you go on. And sometimes it almost takes away from the fun. I try to forget about that stuff, but yeah, there is, there definitely is a pressure there that you got to stack up some kills. And,
1: and I'm, we've, we're growing also in the fact that I've shown a couple of films, a couple of shows. I didn't kill unsuccessful. Right. And, and uh, unit 61 uh, for elk took me what, 13, 14 years to draw it. And I wanted a big bull. So that was I set my expectations because I knew what was in there, and um, the hardest is one of the hardest hunts in the world because I didn't shoot some things <laughs> like I would have normally shot a hundred percent right. of the time hunting public land anywhere else, um, and I missed a bull. He he came <laughs> in, and I ranged him, and I was going to cow call and stop him, and um, at this spot, but he didn't even take the 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 trail I thought he was gonna take and he went and 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 kinda of took a a left hand turn, his right, my left, and went straight across to this little creek. And it looking back, I know exactly what he's gonna do. He was gonna get a drink of water. He wasn't going anywhere. I had plenty of time to I could have him five times probably. He didn't know I was there. But I had ranged him for a bit of a distance and I thought, oh he's the same distance. So I had set my sight because I shoot a five pin um spot hog Tommy Hog, which I use my bottom pin as my floater. So if it's past 60 yards, then I use that and I can dial that right in. And I so I dialed it in for where I thought he was going to be. Because I'm kind of up on this on this edge of not the ridge top, but like halfway down the ridge and he's coming up the bottom. And he went straight in front of me and I thought, well he's the same distance. No, he was two yards further. And at that distance, you know what your arrow will do. Oh yeah! And so I slapped
0: him with my fletches,
1: <laughs> perfect left to right. I I always said, oh, it was a great shot, left to right. My <laughs> yeah. left to right was right on.
0: So that probably um, comes from your traditional shooting days, right? I, we always hear that a lot when uh, when Aaron and, and his buddies are shooting the trad brother. We're, we're always like, yeah, that was a good line. Yeah. A little low. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, either that or or you know what I found in shooting traditional bow is that uh, there's a there is a vermacular vernacular, I guess, a terminology that in trad bow hunters and, and one of them is when we say, oh man, I shot him high mm-hmm. or oh, I'm sh- I shot him back. A trad bow goes, oh, just nicked him. A <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> trad-, trad guy goes, just nicked him. Uh, and, I, and I say that all in love. I'm sure you'll get some hate- mail for that because <laughs> yeah. I do also shoot a traditional bow. Um, but with that pressure like you were talking about put on by the TV show, that at elk hunt, I had other opportunities, and I held out my choice, and then I didn't end up killing a bull, and I ate that tag, but the adventure was phenomenal. We made a two-part uh, TV show out of it, and we got great feedback. And we didn't kill a bull, but as long as you have encounters and opportunities, people can can grasp. Oh, you know, so I think that. That uh, you know, the other thing we struggle with um, with TV, and and this is something that's tough, and people don't realize, is public land costs us a lot of money to hunt. It's very expensive. Yeah, for us, when I hunt, like the like ibex, uh, fifteen days the first hunt, fifteen days the second hunt, I had to pull permits through the BLM. Mm -hmm. Well, it's one hundred and fifty bucks per day per camera. That's right. Add that up.
0: Plus your guys. Plus,
1: well, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna have. Yeah, I gotta pay my guys anyway. I mean, whether I'm pulling permits or not. But everybody's like, well, why don't you? Why don't you hunt more public land? Well, first, I can pay a trespass fee, Mm you know, five hundred bucks or whatever, and go hunt some. I don't have to pull permits. Um, I think if you add it up, and then you have to have a million dollar extra million dollar liability policy, I guess in case you burn the forest down. I I mean, that's that's what they they demand that you have. This extra insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I know why they did it. They did the they originally did that so that they don't fill film a Lord of the Rings at the up in the front range, mm-hmm. right? Pull in a hundred trailers and you know. So it's a little bit more expensive for us. So for me to do that, that tag and I the Ibex tag is you know, 1800 $1, bucks, right? Then I've got food for five. I think a total of 10 guys, but not – they weren't all there at the same time. Yeah, that's a we lot of burritos. That's a lot of stinking uh, <laughs> chile relleno burritos. Um, and, and then on top of that, you're pulling permits. So it gets expensive. So uh, – but I think I think it – I think the industry – I'm hoping the industry continues to, to evolve um, – more into concentrating on the adventure, the hunt itself, and not so much "look at me, look at me," and not so much "oh, I killed this monster." Which I, I have no problem with a guy killing a great animal. God bless him. I'm so happy for him. um I have like four mounts in my house, and then if you go outside by, I have an archery range out by my barn. I live up in Windsor, in uh, east of Col- Fort Collins, and on a, a little farm, and and. I have stacks of antlers, and I, I don't I'm not I, I'm not disrespectful. To me, the memory I cherish, I can hit a play button and watch that whole hunt. And I got pictures of you know, to me a good uh, a good field photo, and some people grip and grin whatever you want to call it. To me, that's one of the most special, respectful things you can do for an animal, because I want to honor that animal. In that before I break it, I'm gonna break it down, it's never gonna look like that again. And that's the last in the environment I killed it, that's the last picture I'm gonna have of that amazing animal. And I think that's very respectful. There's kind of a thing right now about grip no, and grains, whatever. Yeah, well, whatever.
0: <laughs> Aaron always says you don't you don't win the NBA finals and not take a picture with the trophy, right? Right. And, uh,
1: you worked that hard. So and I understand what they're doing. I understand the other side of that coin, which is uh, contextual mm-hmm. in the fact that, OK, being able to help underst- people understand that I didn't go out to this animal raised in a pen and shot him behind a high fence, this type of thing. And, oh, look at me, look at me that I'm grinning because I'm friggin' happy. I'm not grinning because I think I'm the bomb. I mean, I compete in alpha bow hunting challenges, and I compete uh, in the train to hunt, and I have yet to win one. I'm not the best shot out there. I'm not the best hunter out there, like I said, you know. But I tell a pretty good story, and I think I'm I'm a pretty good representative of what a normal hunter is, you know. Um, I laugh a lot. I get mad, you know, I mean, just like anything else, you know, yeah. frustrated, you know, you, you, so hopefully people, people can relate with that style and, and not, and it doesn't come across. I, I hope it doesn't come across like, Oh, look at me, look at me, but rather, Hey man, what a, what an amazing adventure. Because as as you watch the film, I talked to Aaron about it. I said, Aaron, what do you think of the film? He goes, ah, oh, it's not really my style, but you, you did a great job. <laughs> well, what he means is Aaron's not a touchy-feely guy, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not really that much of a touchy-feely guy either. But that was true emotion with all of the history of the first hunt and everything. Yeah, and lots then, of ups and downs. Yeah. And i it was probably the most emotional hunt I've ever edited, story I've ever edited and put
0: together. Um, and your dad – you, do you hunt with your dad a lot or was this kind of like a – kind of more of a special – My dad does hunt. OK.
1: So my dad's uh, – interesting story. My dad – I came from a, a hunting extended family. My dad didn't hunt. So my grandpa, my uncles, my cousins, they all hunted. So when my dad saw how much I loved it. I was too young to go by myself with them because, as you can probably imagine, I had a lot of energy as a ki- child. I would have had a ADD, AD – I mean I would have had a lot of acronyms after my name if I was born now. Yeah. Um, he went. He he got a rifle. My granddad got, gave him one of uh, – uh, this special rifle that I actually have now. And he hunted for three years until I was 16. Um, he was with me the first year I killed my buck. And he handed that rifle over to me, and he's never gone since. But he loves to run a camera, and he loves to hunt with a camera. So for my dad he can't do the physical hunts that he used to. My dad was a, my dad was a stud. He still is a stud, but he wrestled in college. I mean, my dad was an athlete, and um, but he's had his knees replaced, and you know, as as old athletes do, so he can't do the the high physicality. Type backpacking hunts. That's just, he's not going to do that. So he does a whitetail hunt with me every year in Kansas. And then he came along on this and he was kind of ran the, the ground crew, if you will, and, uh, spotted for me and communicated with me. So it, it was special to be able to share that with him because he was also on the first time mm-hmm. and he came over. So although he doesn't hunt, he does in a way, you know, he doesn't ever pull a trigger or, or, you know, release an arrow, but, uh, but he 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 loves you know he'll eat organic you know wonderful wild game just like the rest but <laughs> yeah. but he he has no desire to shoot anything so yeah that's cool yeah it's 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 a special it's you know the outdoors there's more than just hunting I mean there's my dad loves to fly fish so we do a lot of fly fishing together um, but it's a great chance to spend time
0: with him yeah I'm sure he was super proud of you
1: oh he was in the end of the film you'll see he he hiked up that mountain to where where, where we, where we recovered that goat and, and, and there's a pretty emotional where he gives me a big old hug, you know, and, and, and to know that he was there, it was special to yeah. share that
0: with him. Yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. My dad's getting up there in age now, so we don't get to do like, you know, we, we me and Aaron do these adventure hunts or whatever you want to call them. So I don't get that chance of, well, other than a couple times a year for like antelope and stuff. So it is definitely a special thing to be able to share that with your family or your parents or whatever, but. Um, cool, man. Well, I guess we should probably wrap it up. We've been going for uh, over an hour now. Um, so where can we find, where can we find the hunt? And then also so, if you want to yeah. mention your Instagram and your Facebook.
1: Yeah. So we're out back outdoors on Facebook and Instagram, of course, all one word, you know, uh, on Instagram, uh, the link to the film is in our bio. Okay. It's on, I am sportsman TV, TV. Um, which is a website owned by OSG Outdoor Sports Group. Uh, they own Sportsman's Channel, Outdoor Channel, stuff like that. On this for this film, I wanted it to be purely digital, and I wanted it to be a hundred percent free. And you know, I didn't want because the problem with the TV show is if you don't have uh, Sportsman's Channel, because maybe you don't have that package or whatever, then you can't watch the show, right? Um, and then uh, some there's some of these subscription based. Uh, online things now so i wanted it in a position where it could be seen by anyone as long as you had an internet whether you're watching on your phone or whatever you know how did the network
0: how did they take that were they supportive
1: of it it was their push okay right yeah i came to them with the idea and they said we got the perfect spot for it so um so they've been helping of course it's sponsored by uh, mountain ops uh hoyt and uh cabela's um and uh, uh cabela's uh Push the. It's interesting. Cabela's pushed the teaser out on Saturday at like 3:30. Um, I think we have 79,000 views. I mean, uh, in what it it dropped last Friday. So um, you know, just on that teaser alone. So I I'm excited. It's it's gaining traction. You can also uh, find me at Trevin Stoltzfus, Common spelling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Trevin Stoltzfus, uh, uh, uh that's T R E V O N S T O L T Z F U S, Instagram and Facebook. Bios in there. And I even started an Instagram page called uh, The Return to the Rock 2, because what I'm doing on there is I'm kind of dripping little behind the scenes things, you know, little fun stuff about, hey, this is, uh, you know, here's here's something we encountered. Like one time, Lane uh, Walter and I were up and we were trying to get on these, these goats and um, they move off like they do. And so I stand up. There's been a friggin' rattlesnake that's only about eight inches long, right <laughs> next to my leg the whole time. Never rattled, Good but sport. it was cold enough. I think it was just laying there trying to get sun yeah. under this little bush, and I just didn't see it. And um, you know, so I, you know, there's little little things like that and <laughs> and and interesting interesting little behind-the-scenes type stuff. Some funny because you know how it is. You get to you spend hours glass and hours with these guys. And you get goofy, yeah. and there's some, and the cameras are always rolling. So I pulled out some kind of, uh, maybe a little bit embarrassing. I mean, if I don't get embarrassed, but you know, uh, some funny stuff that you can look at and probably go, "I got a hunting buddy that can do j- <laughs> yeah. that'll do just that." Yeah,
0: definitely relatable. That's awesome. Yeah, well, cool, man. Yeah, I'm excited to. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited to watch it. There's not a whole lot of IBEX hunting films out there, at least that I, I know of. I so. don't
1: know of. There's there's a couple that have been Zach Griffith did one a long a while back um our first uh, the rock and ibex adventure uh uh and then John Stallone who's a good friend of mine he did kill a nice billy and he did a little film on it and it's pretty pretty decent um you know i mean much more of a, – it's a different style much more of a kind of over the shoulder run and gun uh with a with a video camera versus you know uh, the, the cinematic but but he did a good good job and John actually Excuse me, John Stallone came out from Phoenix, spent four days classing with me oh, on this cool. last trip. I mean, the hunting community is so awesome. Yeah. You know, it's like us, what we have in Colorado here. You look around, you go to, uh, I'm heading over to No Limits right after I leave here because I got, I just got a new bow and I'm, I'm going to have Bo help me set it up. Um, you go in there, you end up, Sitting there, you could talk all day because yeah. everybody's just—it's just a great community. And mm-hmm. and yet, if you get on some of the social media sites, there's you get a lot of bickering and stuff. But that's just life. Yeah, you know, that's just life. Right. People people want to be somebody. Out the BS, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Cool, man, well, thanks a lot for coming in, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to uh, post this and watch the hunt. And we'll let, definitely let you know what we think about it, and we'll share it on uh, on Instagram. Well, and I Facebook. appreciate it. Thanks for yeah. taking the We're time. I to get you some kafaro gear in your hand this year as well, so I'm excited. Well, to- I,
1: got, I got to use the the uh, what was the 22 mag mm-hmm. for the first time last year. I packed out two bulls with it, um, not completely by myself. Let's just be honest, <laughs> yeah. okay? I had some other guys helping too, right. but but um, you know. I've always had a contract on backpacks. Mm-hmm. Aaron and I have sat down talking about this and, um, I'd never, I'd never had a chance to use it. So after my last contract was up, I came in, bought a pack. I said, I got to get this. I got to, before I talk about Kafaru, I need to have put some miles right. on, you know, wearing one. And, um, yeah, I, I was quite, quite pleased. Uh, I, I just, to me, uh, you guys are so awesome a resource we have i mean to have you guys here locally mm-hmm. it, it that's amazing because then uh, good example is dana at the first alpha I had had something and it wasn't quite right my backpack just didn't feel quite right and I don't know what happened someone was probably fiddle farting around with it at the <laughs> office looking at it right and they disconnected something and I so boom dana's right there she goes through. Oh, here's the problem. No, 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 no. Here, let's get it. You know, I mean, and it just—it just to have a backpack that fits you, especially when you're packing out a bull. Oh yeah. It's a. It's it's night and day. Right. So right. yeah yeah. yeah it's great. I don't know I'm how glad.
0: many times we've come across that on the trail or hunting or um, at these competitions where we needed to help somebody out and. Yeah, it, it definitely goes a long way having something that's custom fit or semi-custom fit.
1: Well, it's like trying to shoot somebody else's bow. Right. You might be able to fling an arrow downrange, but accuracy, it's going to be extremely affected. So, you know, it, it, why would you not take the time, spend the money? And I, I, it just blows my mind where people will buy three backpacks in the same – with the same cost that to, to buy a Kafaru pack, right. okay? But they're three times they spent money – So now they're even money on on dollars, but they've never been happy. Right. So they've had to – the pain and the – I call that (laughs) stupid – they had to pay stupid tax. Yeah. You know, where they could have just spent that money up front, made an investment in something that you're going to use for years and years to come, you know
0: uh, – it, it blows my mind. Yeah. But. I guess sometimes you got to learn the hard way. That's kind of my methodology well, in some things. It, but
1: we live in a society that's dollar-driven. Oh, yeah. And and when you can go into a, a, a place and you can buy a $250 backpack, right. looks really good on the shelf, you pull it off. There's no one there to help fit it for you. It might be a great pack. It really might be for for your for a day pack or something. It might be a great pack, but then to get it fitted and and you know, yeah, ah, it makes a big difference. So,
0: awesome. Well, thanks again, Trevin, and um, yeah, we'll probably I'm sure we'll have you on here again soon. So thanks for everything. Awesome, buddy. All right, thank you.